0: Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from March 14th by Pastor Randy, titled, Who's Your One? Part Three. All right, So it's uh, 2011 NBA Finals between the Miami Heat and Dallas Mavericks. Miami has won game one. And now there's five minutes to go in game two, and Miami is 16 points ahead. Everybody's saying it's over. People are now feeling sorry for the overmatched Mavericks. But then something happened. Miami quit playing to win, and they just started playing not to lose. Dallas came back and won that game, and they went on to win the the, the series in six games. Became the NBA champions. Two points from that. Number one, I hate it when teams go into a prevent type of defense. When they quit playing to win and they just start playing not to lose because they're they're ahead and they think they've got it made. Not only is that boring, but they often wind up losing. And number two, it's very hard. Very hard to go from a defensive, let's just not lose mindset to an offensive type of mindset. And so here's where this plugs in with what we've been talking about the past couple of months. Is there's a such thing called defensive discipleship and offensive discipleship. Defensive discipleship is when you just want to protect yourself against the world. You just want to stay away from all the evils of the world just to protect yourself and protect your heart. But the truth is our hearts don't need protection as much as they need continual transformation where we're continually letting the truth of God invade our lives, continually letting the truth set us free. The second thing is this. Defense of discipleship is when you say, okay, we're just going to hold our ground. We're just going to maintain what we have. But God doesn't call us to maintain what we have. He calls us to go into the world, to take the gospel into the world, to get it
1: outside these four walls. So how do we go from a defensive
0: mindset, which is pretty much where the church has been at and our whole church culture for years, how do we go from a defensive mindset to an offensive mindset? I'm going to give you two ways this morning. Number one, by becoming obsessed with the beauty and the glory of Christ. It's what we've been talking about for weeks, being connected to him. Because here's the thing, you go and you spend a couple of nights at a Ritz-Carlton hotel, staying at a day's end does not look all that appealing. You go straight south and spend a couple of weeks in Hawaii, going to H2Oasis doesn't look all that appealing whenever you've been in the presence of Christ, whenever you've been just within him and and just letting his love, his glory flow over you, the things of the world all of a sudden don't seem that appealing anymore. You don't want to chase after all these things because you don't want to lose just coming every day and being in his presence. We talked about that for weeks. Here's the second thing that you got to do to recover an offensive type of mindset is refocus on our purpose that we're called to make
1: disciples. Here's the stats. 20% of you will invite another Christian to church. 20%.
0: Do you hear what I'm saying? Only one in five of you will invite another Christian to church. So it goes like this, you know, you're at work and a guy comes into work, he's new, he's just moved to, to Anchorage or something or to Alaska and, and, and you're getting to know him and he talks about his church background and he says, we need to find us a good church. In that case, only one in five of you will say, hey, come go to church with me or let, or let me come pick you up and take you to my church this Sunday. Only one in five will do that, 20%. Only 2% of you will invite a non-Christian to church. So that means 98% of you will never go to a non-Christian and say, will you come to church with me? Or can I come pick you up and bring you to church? Or you can bribe them. Come to church with me and I'll buy you lunch afterwards. That works, by the way. So how many of you in your spiritual journey You've taken someone who is disconnected to God. They may not be a Christian or they just may be a a very new Christian or whatever the case may be, but they're disconnected to God, and you brought them to a point where they are now connected to God, where they long to be with Him. They long to be in His presence. They have that connection. They're abiding in Him, as we talked about weeks ago. How many of you have actually done that? We have this saying, right? You've heard it. We can't see the forest for the trees. I'm afraid we can't see see the tree for the forest, just the one. We can't find just the one because
1: there's so many of them out there. God has called us to the one. He expects every one of us to
0: have a one. Let's read this in Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him who they have not believed and how can they believe without hearing about him and how can they hear without a preacher and how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the
1: good news. Okay, let's work through this passage. I'm going to ask you to think a little
0: bit. We're going to work through this passage backwards. We're going to start here at verse 15 and go to verse 13 and we're going to focus on the verbs. Okay? Focusing on the verbs. We all know what a verb is, right? So, the first one is this. I'm going to help you out. Christ sends followers. That's the first verb, sends.
1: Christ sends followers, and his followers do what? Not much confidence in this, okay.
0: Not going as well as I thought it would. His followers are going to do what? They're going to preach, okay? Now, preach doesn't mean they're standing behind a pulpit, preach. It just means they're telling other people about the gospel. They're finding people who who haven't heard or, or don't realize how Jesus died for them, rose again, and how now they can be connected to God because of Jesus Christ. That's all they're doing is what Christina pointed out to us, that they're just sharing the gospel. All right, so Christ sends followers and followers preach, right? Now, let's back up. When they preach, what happens? When the followers preach, People do what? They hear. Yes. So when when you go preach, people hear. And when people hear, then they will believe. Okay. You're catching on. You're not real confident yet, but you're getting there. Now, not everybody who hears believes. Not everybody who hears believes. But what we're told is, is that you can take the gospel through some of the most remote parts of the world and when people hear it, they will believe because we're told in Revelation that there are people from every tongue, tribe, and nation that's going to be surrounded the throne giving worship and glory to our God. So not everybody will believe, but we know some will believe. So Christ sends followers, his followers preach. When his followers preach, people hear, and when people hear, some believe. Then next, what happens? Those who believe are going to, this is a little bit tricky, those who believe are going to do what? But before they're saved, they've got to do something else. They're going to call. Okay, we're following a progression here. I know it's a little bit tricky. I tried to warn you. They're going to call on his name, okay? And then those who are called are going to be, there you go. See, that was an easy one. You knocked that one out of the park. All right, so let's work through this. And let's find out where the disconnect is, okay? So we're going to go through this. Now, the other way from the top down, and we're going to go through this formula, if you want to call it that, this progression, and let's find out what the disconnect is. Does everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, will they be saved? The answer is yes. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. Y'all slow back down again. Let's think through this. All right. Follow me here. It's not difficult. Okay, so everybody calls on the name Lord will be saved. Okay. Now, all those who believe are going to call. Right? Believers
1: call. Oh, going the wrong way. Didn't go far enough. Okay, so here we go.
0: Those who believers will call. If you believe, you're going to call. Okay? Those who believe, they're, they're going to call. Now. They're those who, 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 who believe, they're going to hear. Not everybody who hears believes, right? Not everybody who hears believes, but some will. Then those who hear, they're going to be preached to. Them. When you pre- in other words, when you preach, some people are going to hear,
1: right? People will hear, unless you preach to a wall, right? When you're telling people, they're going to hear, Right? When you preach, they're they're going to hear, all right? And God is going to send people out to preach. Those things are going to happen. There's
0: only one place in this whole formula where there can be a breakdown, where it's just not going to happen. It's when Christ's followers fail to preach. Everything else is just going to happen. Christ is going to send followers. And if they preach, people will hear. And if they hear, some will believe. And if they believe, they will call. And when they call in his name, they will be saved. The only place there is a breakdown is when his followers fail to preach. It's when we come to the point where we say, look, I'm doing okay. I'll just sit back here and I'll protect myself from the world. And I'll stay, stand on my ground. And, and I'll just play this defensive type discipleship. And I'll be okay. But do you realize Everywhere in the New Testament where the gospel is sent forth, where somebody believes is because of a human instrument because they went and told him. God could have wrote the gospel in the sky, but he chose to use us as instruments to go and tell somebody else, to find a one and to go tell them. Now, let's move on to another passage. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, And what he means from now on is, is since I've become a Christian, since I've been connected to God, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. So I say, look, we don't judge people outwardly anymore. We don't judge people the way everybody else would judge people in the world. Oh, those people, they're not my race. They're not my gender. They're not my class. They're just different. We don't judge people by worldly perspective anymore. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, what it means is we once knew Christ. Judged him from the worldly perspective. We thought Jesus was just some guy, another guy claimed to be the Messiah. He was crucified. His disciples claimed that he rose again, but we, just, we decided he was a heretic, and everybody who fought him was a heretic. That's what we used to do, he is saying. From yet now, now that we've become connected to God ourselves, now that we realize the, the the resurrection was something you couldn't deny, it was just evident, Now, if that's become apparent to us, we no longer know him in this way. In other words, we assess Christ differently. Not how we used to assess him before. We assess assess Christ differently. We assess all other people differently. Then he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Just as we know from the life of Paul how radically his life was changed, Once he got connected to God, he's saying that can happen to anybody, anyone. If anyone is in Christ, that's Paul's favorite term for a Christian. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's our purpose. That's our goal. What is that? Well, he tells us. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. That we just go tell people how they can be connected to God. And then he sums it up this way. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what are we? We're ambassadors. We're reconcilers. What does an ambassador do? A bast- an ambassador is somebody from the home government goes to a foreign government and tells the foreign government where the home government stands. Now, when an ambassador goes to the foreign government and tells them where the home government stands, the foreign government doesn't call back Washington to say, is that really what's true? No, because an ambassador speaks for this home government. The only way that foreign government or that person is going to know where God stands is if his ambassadors do their work. So whether we like it or not, we are ambassadors. The only question is, what kind of
1: ambassadors are we? What kind of representations of the home government are we?
0: There was a pastor who was sent on sabbatical. By his church, he, he had six months off. He decided he was going to go to the mission field and preach and teach on the mission field. It's been, uh, two months of his, his six months off on the mission field. So he goes there. He's assigned an interpreter, and he goes to this little village, and he starts preaching and teaching. Supervisor comes by two weeks later. How are things going? He goes, not good. Doesn't sound like I'm connecting at all. People just aren't responding. I can't figure out why. Well, another two weeks goes by. supervisor comes back again and says, how are things going? He says, they're going great. They're going super. I found out the problem. It was my interpreter. He was the meanest, oneriest man in town. And so when I'm there preaching, he's interpreting. All the people could see was that mean, ornery man. They couldn't see, you know, couldn't hear the words I was saying, couldn't hear the compassion, couldn't hear my heart coming through. All they could see was this mean, ornery man. See, a lot of times the problem is not God. The problem is his ambassadors, his interpreters. A lot of times the problem is what's coming out of our mouths is not lining up with our lives. And so it's not having an effect. Or to put it more sincerely, what's happened is there's a lack of compassion coming through. And if you want to put the finger on our issue today that keeps us from finding a one, a one person to pray for, a one person to disciple, is because we're just not that compassionate toward other people. Listen to to what happened here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd when he saw the crowds here's what you understand Jesus didn't just see people he saw I mean he just saw people for him it wasn't just a bunch of cars going down the glen highway for Jesus it just wasn't just a bunch of people in line at the security line at the airport for him it just wasn't just some people lining the kenai with their fishing rods out he saw people see for us a lot of times we just don't see people because we're too focused on us. A lot of times it's all about us. How are things working out for me? How good do I look today? You know, is all the scalp in place and looking good today? You know, how, how, how good is, is that look? You can always tell people who are, who are concerned about themselves because it, people who are concerned about themselves, other people are just irritating there in the way. Why does he have to have all these people on the road today? Why can't they ever start driving right? What, what's their problem? Why, why do people do this all the time? People just become irritating to them, but not Jesus. When he saw people, he saw people. She's broken. He's filled with anxiety and worry. She's got lots of problems. See, when Jesus saw people, he saw people with a lot of problems. That's what he means when he says they're, they're downcast, distressed, and... and,
1: and uh, dejected. When Jesus saw people, he saw people who didn't know what to do, where to go for help. That's what
0: it means when he says they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, there are some people out there who are just on a mission to thumb their nose up at God and and to just, you know, God, just stay out. I hate you. I hate you, God. But most people, they just, They're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what to do, where to go for help. They don't even realize all the issues that they have sometimes. But then Jesus says this, very surprising. He says something next that that, uh, is totally unexpected then. It's still unexpected today. It still doesn't capture us today. Here's what he says. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. <laughs> so in the context, Jesus seeing all these people come out from this town, from, from where the, the, the woman at the well is at. That she's going, they're coming out to meet him, and his words are, we got to pray to his disciples. And his disciples says, yes, we need to pray for them. Jesus says, no, 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 we need to pray for us. We need to pray that there's enough people who will align themselves in the right spot where they can get other people connected to God. We've got to pray for
1: people who will choose a one. We don't need to pray for them as much as we need to pray for us because we've gone to this mode of defensive discipleship. Let's just stay here and stand our ground. Let's just make sure things don't get any worse. Let's keep all the evil out. Not only is that boring, it'll kill not just the church, it'll kill a whole Christian culture. So, here's what you need to pray for you need to pray for
0: people to be connected to God, and you need to pray that you'll be the answer to those prayers.
1: You realize how often you pray that, that God actually put you in line to be the answer to your own prayer? God, Sally
0: across town, she needs some help. God, I pray that that you'll send her some help. And God says, I'm going to answer that prayer. You go and help her. Oh, that's not what I meant. I want somebody else to go.
1: If you don't want to be the answer to your own prayer, don't pray it, okay? Guess what? Joe at work, he heard about Christ. He heard the gospel. That's great. Who told him? I did. Pray for people. Pray for you one to be
0: connected to God, and then pray that you will be the answer to that prayer,
1: that you will say things, do things, whatever it takes to help bring them along and get them connected to God. It's the only way the church works. It can't work any other way. It can't survive
0: any other way than when we as his people, we go and find a one. I'm just, just asking for one. Just One. One person that you're willing to pray for every day and disciple them to bring them from where they're at, whether it's a non-believer it's totally rejected of God whatsoever, or whether maybe they're a believer but they're still not connected
1: to God, to bring them to the point where they're connected to God. Disciple them is the biblical word. Without that, we miss it all. Because there's only one part in this whole process
0: of seeing the gospel penetrate your world where it falls down at. And where's that place at? When we fail to preach. Everything else is guaranteed. Everything else is going to happen. It's only when we decide that we're not choosing the one. When we can't see the, can't see the tree for the forest. Oh, there's so many people out there. Everybody in the world lost. Fine, pick one. Look at the tree. Look at the one tree. Pick one and begin to pray for them. We still have these pamphlets here, uh, some up front, some on a back table. This is just to help guide you to pray for one. That's all. Just gives you thirty days of just get, gives you things that you can pray for for your one. And I want you to pray for them, and I want you to pray that you will be the answer to those prayers. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.